Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Evangel this morning. Good morning to those of you on our live stream. We welcome you as well. And we would like you to stand and sing with us this morning. So much to rejoice about.
together with you this morning. Welcome to church. We have a few announcements, but before we do that, just turn to someone, welcome them, say thank you that you are here. It's nice to see you, and then you may find your way to your seats. All right, you may be seated. 
It is so good to see everyone here this hot summer day. We just have a few quick announcements for you. The first one is if you are new here, in the chair in front of you, we have connection cards that you can fill out. And if you take them after service to the back, to the info desk in the foyer, submit them there. You have a free gift for you for attending. And we just want to catch up with you afterwards uh, and, and follow up and make sure that if there's anything you need from us, that we can be there to assist you, however it is you need, whether it's prayer or otherwise. So please Please feel free, feel free to fill out those connection cards and submit them in the info desk back there. Uh, I just want to reiterate, uh, I know for the past couple of weeks, Pastor Shannon has said thank you to everyone who donated towards the backpacks that are heading up north to the indigenous uh, school children. However, they are fully packed. If you probably saw them in the coat area, they are ready for pickup. So I just want to, want to echo that, that sentiment. Thank you so much for everyone who donated towards those. They are going to be going up north very soon this week, and we are so excited to be able to bless uh, children up north in such a way. So thank you. Last announcement, I just want to talk about youth and young adults for a second. If you are in grade 6 to grade 12, or if you are a parent of someone in grade 6 to grade 12, or if you're watching online and that fits uh, you as well, we have a bunch of youth events coming up for the month of August during the summer, including a trip to Canada's Wonderland on August 27th. So if you are within that age range, come talk to me afterwards and we can get you set up with all the events that are happening throughout the summer. You don't want to miss out on them. And, uh, and, and also on our website, if you visit the youth or young adults tabs. Uh, you can find links to our social media pages as well so you can keep up with us in that way. We, we would love to connect with your young people and if you are a young person we would love to connect with you and, and see you uh, be a part of these awesome events we have planned for the summer. So at this point in time I'd like to invite the kids and the volunteers for Kids Church to go and have a great and awesome Kids Church time downstairs. And at this point in time as well, I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward to collect this morning's tithes and offerings. And as they start collecting, uh, the worship team will, will continue to lead us this morning. God bless. You may remain seated. We'll ask you to join us in a moment. When I survey the Gain, I can't but. 
look at your face. We have no right to stand and say that we want to look in the face of Jesus. And yet, Jesus, you gave us that right. You bought that right for us to come close. And this morning, with a sense of audacious faith, with a sense of obedience because you asked us to do this, we come close. We commit ourselves again to seeking your face. We clarify our statement of salvation again and say there is one thing that rises above all and it is knowing you and as our hearts are in this place of humility as we stand in this place of surrender as we're in this moment of just knowing a grace that we don't deserve we pray that you would change our continence to look like you that you would change our heart to beat like yours, that you would change our lives to reflect accurately your grace and your love and your mercy to a world that desperately is calling out for such a thing. And as we listen to the word, would it cut easily through hearts that are softened by your presence? Would it change us? Would it call us to be more like you? Amen. Would you remain standing for the reading of his word? Our scripture this morning is from Psalm chapter 27, verse 4 to 8. And it says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Thank you. You may be seated. And thank you, worship team. Luke, welcome back. It was awesome to have you on drums this morning. Everyone has that first experience of getting behind the steering wheel and learning how to drive. It is a major mark of adolescence for a teenager to be able to get their G1 and practice driving before moving up to eventually getting their full License, And while it is a time of excitement for the person learning how to drive, it also serves, serves as a time of emotional turmoil for the person who has to teach the person how to drive. I had that experience with my own parents as they taught me how to drive and basically were white-knuckling the armrest the entire time and pretending to, to hit the brake whenever they could. And I'm sure they prayed I would get that paid back to me tenfold when it came time to teach my own kids how to drive. But... Truth be told, I kind of had that experience already when I helped teach Esther how to drive a few years ago. And I do have permission to use this example, so I'm not getting in trouble for using this. She had her G1 for a while and wanted to get to the next level, so she asked me to teach her how to drive in 
what was at the time our tiny little 2008 Volkswagen Jetta that we had no money to replace if things went south. So you can imagine I ended up being more preoccupied with, with keeping the car safe than I was at teaching her how to drive so that she could keep the car safe. Needless to say, she moved up to the next level of her license, but it's this unwritten rule of ours now that uh, I'm not allowed to teach her how to drive ever again. Uh, I know that, that she loves me. I know she knows that I love her, but uh, there's no way that she's going let to that, let that happen again. But in the process of trying to teach, I looked back on the lessons I was taught when learning how to drive, and one of the most important ones happened early on. The problem was I was so focused on trying to keep the car in the exact middle of the lane, my eyes were fixed on the lines either to the left of me or to the right, and, and, and the lesson was not to look at the road directly in front of me, directly down, but to look up and out at what was ahead. When I looked up and out, I found navigating the car was instantly easier. I could still see the road lines and keep the car in the middle of the lane, as well as being able to see everything else going on around me. I was able to focus on what was most important while driving and put aside things that would otherwise distract me from fixing my eyes on what was most important. During my family's time off a few weeks ago, my, the main push of my own personal devotional time was spent in the book of Psalms. And the book is a collection of songs meant to be sung. And, and don't worry, I won't be singing my message to you today. And it is full of important themes for a follower of Jesus. And one of the things I notice every time I read the book is how the author mentions many times of their desire to be close to God. Their desire to be close to God, especially in times of trouble, especially in times of turmoil. One of the phrases you may see pop up is seeking his face or variation of that phrase. And that's what got me thinking about this message this morning. What does it mean to seek the face of God? And why should we do such a thing? Psalm chapter 105, verse 4, later on in the book, makes clear that we should seek his face always. There's a sense of urgency and great importance emphasized to us in that call to seek the face of God always. And this theme isn't just found in the book of Psalms either. No, the idea of seeking the face of God is found in many places throughout Scripture, including in Exodus chapter 33. Here it is said that Moses often went into the tabernacle where the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as if talking to a friend. But a few verses later, in that very same chapter, it says this, starting in verse 19. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy on anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. So this complicates matters a little bit when it comes to this idea of seeking his face, since to literally lay eyes on the face of God in this sense is impossible. So what does it mean to seek his face? When I preach, I, I tend to be an NLT guy, as in, as in that's the translation of the Bible I like to read from, I like to preach from, I like to study from. But I want us to take one second to look at verse 8 of our passage this morning from a different translation, uh, the NIV. And it says, My heart says to you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. 
Now, when we compare the same verse from the, true from the two translations, it becomes a whole lot more clear what it means to seek the face of God. The author is not literally saying to seek the face of God. Instead, he is speaking to something else entirely. And if you're taking notes this morning, we can start here. Seeking the face of God means spending time in his presence. Seeking the face of God means spending time in his presence. The Hebrew word for face in the Old Testament is actually often translated presence. When we seek the face of God, we are seeking his presence. When Moses left the tabernacle, he is described as almost glowing because he was in the presence of God. So for us to fix our eyes upon Jesus is to set our focus on him and give him all our attention. To seek his face means to spend time in his presence. And so knowing that this morning, I want us to look at two things. How it is we seek his face and why we should in the first place. So we'll start with why this morning. Why should we seek his face? David's top priority in life was his relationship with the Lord. And although he was in the wilderness seeking refuge from his enemies during this time when he wrote this, David's heart was truly set on the tabernacle, the place of worship, and in seeking the beauty of God. He longed to return to the tabernacle and spend the rest of his life in worship. And that was the purpose of writing this psalm, to express his heart for being in the presence of God. And so in our passage this morning, we hear both David's confidence and his anxieties. We read the reasons David had to be confident, even though he faced extremely difficult situations and circumstances. And we also read his pleas for God to rescue him from trouble. And the impression that I get reading these few verses that, that we started with this morning is that David knows he has no reason to fear. He knows that the Lord is Lord over his life and over the situations and circumstances, but that knowledge doesn't keep him from still experiencing anxiety over his situations. And that's one of the most human experiences. To me, what David is expressing is so relatable because likewise, you and I can know who God is. We can know that he is good. We can know that he loves us and will protect us, but we still come face to face with our anxieties over the things that we experience. It doesn't stop God from being any less real. It doesn't stop him from being any less caring, but it stops us from recognizing the importance of seeking out his presence in our lives during those moments. And knowing that this chapter then becomes a mixture of prayer and self-reassurance with David expressing both his trust and his weaknesses all at once. In the midst of this mixture of experiences, he hears the Lord speak to his heart in verse 8 to seek his face. But why would God call for David and for us to seek his face? And I believe from studying this passage in David's words, that it's because the Lord simply desires to be our constant companion in every experience of life. See, our Heavenly Father is one that loves you so much that his presence is always with us, and yet at many times it's us who forget to seek out time in his presence. That's the nature of our lives, right? Things get busy. Well, we, we could end up prioritizing certain things. We could experience something tragic or painful, or on the flip side of that, we could be living our best life possible. And in our hustle, we put aside seeking the presence of God. And I was struck thinking about how often we lose sight of God's presence with us, you know? Why does that happen? 
How is it that we live out our lives week to week? We go from Monday to Friday working hard. We have Saturday to rest. We show up on Sunday and it's this amazing moment of reconnecting after our week to worship together and spend time in the presence of God, much like this morning is for us. But within the next few days now, many of us will be lost again in that daily busyness of life. And I had the thought that it's the pressures of life, it's the pressures of life that stop us from pursuing what's most important in life which is the presence of God with us. And so we get David here as the prime example of this in our passage this morning, caught between the pressures of life, but unwilling to allow those pressures to stop him from seeking what is most important for his life. The beginning of the chapter, before our scripture today, talks about David celebrating the confidence that he has in God. And then the tone of the song suddenly changes from celebration to contemplation. The experience of goodness, of the goodness rather, and the greatness of God made David think about how wonderful it is to seek him and to experience his presence. David plainly declares that he wished he could live in the tabernacle itself, surrounded every day by the presence and the beauty of God. In fact, in our passage, David even seems to be ransacking the Hebrew language for nouns to describe it. The house of the Lord, his temple, his dwelling, his tabernacle. But don't mix it up, though. It wasn't that David was fascinated by the tabernacle itself. Because at the end of the day, it was, it was a tent. David's passion was in keeping with his priorities, seeking out the presence of God for his life always. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. We are called to seek his face to pursue his presence for our lives because we are promised that when we do, we will find him. If you've known about God already for some time, you might read this Bible verse in Jeremiah and think, why would I need to, to look for God? Why would I need to find him? I'm a Christian. I grew up in church. What, what value is there here for me? I've known God all my life. I know he's with me. But even if you've had a great relationship with God, there is always much more that we can experience and learn about him. He wants us to experience him in a deeper way and know about his ways so that we can experience more of his love and more of his goodness in our lives. And the key word here is wholeheartedly. This type of seeking doesn't just happen on a Sunday at church. This doesn't just happen opening your Bible once a week. It's not that God is holding out on us because his presence is always with us. But what it comes down to is it's hard to seek the presence of God for our lives when our lives are constantly being pulled in multiple different directions. And it's not that our priorities are set only on bad things, because there's a lot of good things about our lives as well. It's just that a lot of the times it's not set on the best thing. Psalm chapter 84 verse 10 says, A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. The author of this psalm perfectly describes why we should seek God in the first place, why we should seek his presence. Because even a moment in the presence of God is far greater than a lifetime apart from him. The singers of this psalm provide for us a beautiful picture of the joy of walking with God and how much we should desire experiencing his presence. And for these psalmists, there is no place they would rather be than with him. And the truth here is that seeking the face of God is still relevant for us as believers today. It is still important in building our relationship with Christ and knowing him deeper. We seek because we want more of him. 
We seek because we want to be more like him. If we truly want to live the life that God designed for us, we need to seek God. If we want to go forward and find the peace that we long for, we need to seek his face. If we want a sense of joy and direction for our lives, we need his presence. If we want to find unity as a body of believers, knowing what our purpose is in this community, we need to pursue him. If we want to, like Pastor Shannon talked so perfectly about last week, follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be an ally to the oppressed and the helpless, we must start by seeking his face. David understood all of this and set the example for us of what it means to seek his face always, even in the face of overwhelming odds and circumstances, and why we should seek his presence in the first place. So now I want to talk about how. How can we seek his face? Lucy, uh, my daughter, if you spend any amount of time with her, and of course you have her approval to be in, to be in her presence, uh, is very good at asking questions. Sometimes one of my favorite things she does is she'll come right up to you, right, and ask for help if she doesn't know how to do something. It doesn't matter what you are doing either. If you are talking to someone, she will make sure she's talking louder than you so that you know that she is there wanting you. Sometimes I'm on my phone and she'll get right down and come up in between my arms, blocking my phone completely so that the only thing that I can see right in front of me is her face and I can't avoid being asked the question or having to answer it. Honestly, it's adorable. It really is. But the thing is, a lot of things she asks for help for, she already knows the answer to. She already knows what to do, what steps to take to figure it out. She asks for help on how to do it, knowing that will help her and give her the answer so that she doesn't have to do it all by herself. And I find a lot of the time, we can be the same way when it comes to our faith. We hear a sermon, we come on Sunday morning, we worship, We want to grow closer to God. We have that desire within us, but we just don't know where to start in applying what we have learned or have been told for our lives. But the truth is that the answer to our question, sometimes we actually already know. When it comes to seeking his face, when it comes to pursuing his presence in our lives, much much of what I'm about to tell you could cause you to go, well, yeah, no duh, right? But the thing is, we can think that. And then we can leave here, go about our weeks, and by Wednesday, completely forget entirely to do those things to get closer to God. So how do we seek God's face? Well, there are a few primary ways we can seek the face of God. His word, prayer, worship, just being a few. When we read his word, we learn his character and his ways. As we pray to God and spend time with him, we learn to hear his voice. When we worship him, he shows up as we welcome him in his presence. We also seek his face when we live for him, in our interactions with one another, and our treatment of others who are just as equally created in the image of the Father. And the coolest thing about this is that we see David practicing some of these in our text this morning. We read about him praying a prayer to God of both protection and celebration. And we even read about his desire to worship God all the days of his life. At one point even, uh, in verse 7, there's a sense in which David's prayer, there's a sense in David's prayer, rather, in which he feels that God is hiding from him. He cries out to God to hear his prayer, to be merciful, and to answer him. When we practice the things and the habits that draw us nearer to God, there will be times where we feel as if we're getting nowhere. I've felt that in my life so many times. I'm sure you have 
as well. But David didn't stop seeking God or allowing those feelings to convince him to give up his habits of prayer or worship. Instead, he sought after God's presence all the more diligently. He never once gave up. And it was in David's pursuit of prayer and worship that God invited David to seek his face, confirming to him that God had never once forsaken David. David was a worshiper. We see that all throughout the stories in the Bible, his life, his experiences. He was a worshiper. And I'd argue that part of the true nature of worship is to seek God's face, to be in his presence. We shouldn't do these things, you know, studying our Bible, worshiping, praying, etc., as a means to an end, but just because we want the end. We just want more of God. We should live for him because we just want others to also know him. We seek his face so that others can see his character and his love for them through our example. And so the more we do these things, the more we stir our hearts and act in ways that will help us to seek out his presence in our life. The more we do those things, the more we will find him. As we cultivate and honor this relationship, seeking the face of God becomes easier and easier. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. From Genesis to Revelation, the entire story of the Bible, the theme is redemption. But the purpose of that redemption is relationship, to bring us back into the presence of God. When we seek his face, it is an opportunity for us to realize how good and how loving our Heavenly Father is that he calls us to seek him out. And when God responds, it is proof that he has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned you, church. As we live our lives dedicated to purposefully seeking out God, as we purposefully seek out more time in his presence, we'll be able to see that God has not called us to himself for nothing. It's a sentiment that David echoes in the verses after our passage of study today, just two verses later in verse 10. It says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. See, the promise that we have in our Heavenly Father is that his presence will always be with us. One of the strongest bonds and presences that we can have in our lives is with our parents. And David uses this as an example of the faithfulness of God's presence with us and the strength of his desire to always be with us. Even if a bond as close as we may have with our parents ever breaks, the presence of God is something that will never leave us. And so when we choose to seek his face in ways that may seem trivial— in ways that may seem habitual, in ways that may seem like, like, we, we, like it's, it's just common sense. I hope we can see that they're anything but trivial. I hope we can see the importance of doing those things. As we live lives dedicated to being the hands and feet of Jesus to those who are helpless, in need, desperate, and hurting, we are cultivating a life of living in his presence. And these ways only serve to allow us to experience God's presence in greater and greater ways. One of my favorite, or all-time favorite, worship songs uh, are often sometimes the most simple ones. Uh, for example, the song Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus was written way back in the early 1900s. Right? And it was one of those ones I grew up in church hearing all the time. And the lyrics aren't, aren't long by any means, and the chorus kind of just gets right to the point. And I'm just going to—I know we sang it this morning, but I'm just going to— Repeat the chorus here. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Many people have that one, that one worship song, right, that brings them right back to Jesus. And that one's mine. I didn't even actually think of asking the worship team to lead it this morning. It just, it's one of those things God kind of organized, and I think it's so cool when he does that. Look full into his wonderful face. There's perspective for you in the looking. There's healing for you in the looking. There's peace and fulfillment for you in the looking. The things of this world do grow strangely dim when we choose to seek his face. Feelings of unworthiness and shame are washed away when you know his loving presence is for you. Isn't that so beautiful? Throughout scripture, God doesn't say to us that he might be found. Or if you try hard enough or do enough things, then you will find me. No, God's not waiting or looking for perfection or someone who does everything right to reveal himself to. Because if that were the case, I for one would never be able to find him. He promises to us that when we seek him, we will find him. And the only prerequisite is to have a heart that is hungry. We don't do things like come to church every Sunday and, and, and read his word and, and pray to him and worship him and live for him to get him to notice us. He is already calling out to you. He is calling out to you, church. We choose to do these things and to live our lives as a replication of Jesus' character because we just want more of him. Sometimes it really is that simple. We just want more of God. Do you want more of him in your life? Because the promise that we have is that in the light of his glory and grace, we will find that he is all we need. I'd like to invite the worship team back up this morning. This morning, we are going to be concluding our service with a few opportunities to spend time in his presence. The worship team is going to lead us in one more song, and then we're going to have a time to celebrate communion, both of which present us opportunities to seek him with all our hearts. But before we do, I just want to encourage you that if you are here this morning, and that you feel like God can be further away from you, like he doesn't care, or that he is distant from your situation, whatever it might be, I promise you that the truth is God's presence is right beside you. And our choice to set aside the things of this world that can distract us and focus in on his presence will only serve to remind you of that. When we draw near, God is faithful to draw near to us. God isn't playing a game of hide and seek. Instead, it's more like seek and find. In the midst of good seasons and not good seasons, we can know that when we seek his face, he draws near to us. When we seek him, we will find him regardless of the circumstances surrounding us. And that was the whole point of the psalm that David wrote this morning. He faced a dire situation, but in the midst of it, chose to seek his face for comfort, security, and faith to keep going. So if you are here this morning, I encourage you, to seek his face. Maybe you need to hear that God is with you because the circumstances of your life make you seem to think otherwise. God is with you. His presence is right beside you. As we worship this morning, focus on him and allow his presence in your life to give you faith and hope to walk forward no matter what. I invite you to stand as we worship together this morning.
take some time to celebrate communion together this morning. On your way in, you should have received a little cup that has a wafer on top. Uh, you're probably all pros at doing this by now, but if you, if you do need uh, assistance with it, if you push down on the tab, you're able to peel back the little film to access the wafer.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 24. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together this morning. Verse 25 to 26 says, In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the promise that your presence is always with us. God, we thank you that no matter what circumstances we may have walked in with this morning, no matter what may be going on in our lives, God, you know each and every situation, and God, that your presence is with us, and God, that when we seek you, when we choose to do these things purposefully, because we want more of you, we are promised that we will find you. We thank you for that promise, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for the needs within our congregation this morning. You know the hearts of your people. And and God, those unspoken needs that may be there, Lord, we pray that you touch hearts this week and that testimony arises because of how good you are and how loving you are. God, we pray for Edith this morning. God, we ask for for a lack of pain in her day-to-day life. Jesus, we ask for mobility and and without issue and without discomfort. God, we pray your hand upon her and her family during these days. God, may we as a church family continue to support her and encourage her and pray for her. And God, as we go from this place, may we remember this week to spend time with you. God, whether in in prayer, whether reading your word, whether worshiping you or, or whether helping those in need, Lord Jesus, whatever we may do in your name, God, may we do so desiring for more of you. May we go from this place with a hunger in our hearts for more of you. We love you, Father. And we pray this all in your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Have a great week ahead. God bless. And if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out.